Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that is breaking everybody up, getting together some new couples, and just really shaking up that old Cano relationships. I'm Alex. On the podcast like this, there's often one angry guy. But what if there were two? What if there were two? <laughs> I'm Justin. Uh, I'm Pete, and I'm not uh, emotionally intelligent to be able to handle this kind of show. (laughs) Wow, that's a confession. Well, that is totally fair. It's something I do want to talk about in a second, but we are going to be talking about Riverdale Chapter 84, Lock and Key, the latest episode of Riverdale. This was a huge one, a huge episode. Wait, the title was called Lock and Key? I know, right? Without. Okay, so let's talk about that really quickly. One of our Whoa! absolute favorite comic books of all time is a comic book yeah. called Lock TV show. Key. You might know the Netflix show as well. We do a podcast for that. You should check it out. Called Lock and Key Unlocked. Hello. Meanwhile, Hello. this is Lock and Key, but without an E at the end of Lock. So it's just regular oh. locks and regular keys. That's it. Yeah, mm. the emotional Ooh, I thought lock. for a second... I mm-hmm. thought it was like a nice shout out. Oh man! It was not. It was a mean shout out. Is what it was. <laughs> no, it's just a. It was just a thing. It was just a title. It's all good. Uh, this. So at the end of the episode, uh, we're gonna get uh, to some of your fan questions. We got a ton of stuff on Twitter, theories, questions, other things. So we'll see what we get time for and what we have to get through. Obviously, there's a ton of stuff to talk through with this episode, as well as recapping what happened so far. But I did want to put one little note here at the top, because we are taping this after the episode has already aired. As you can imagine, if you've watched the episode, you know there's probably a lot of people running pretty hot about a lot of different things. Oh, I know the feeling. One of the, and I'm sure we're going to run pretty hot on this podcast, too. The writer of the episode, Arabella Anderson who has written a lot of great episodes of Riverdale. She's really good, really smart writer. Has, as far as I've been able to tell, taken a lot of abuse online for this episode. You hate and to see it. don't do that. I understand feeling anger. I understand being upset about things, about plot lines. But this is a person doing their job who's probably very excited about getting a script on TV, which is no mean feat to do even when you're on staff on a television show. There's a lot of fun stuff in the episode. There's a lot of sad stuff in the episode. Their job is to make you feel things. So if you are feeling things, she has been successful in that. So I, I, this is a long way of saying find a different outlet for your angle. You know, for example, a podcast. Yeah, yell at your friends <laughs> for, for a change. I mean, and also to say, like, it's not her. It's not like she sat down and was like, I'm doing this to the characters. I don't care what anybody thinks. Like, the entire creative staff of this show worked on this, crafted this episode. It's meant to make us feel these things, which you know, I felt a lot of them, and it's exciting. I know it's frustrating to lose, and that's yeah. I don't even want to say that because that's not what is happening here. Um, you got to believe it's frustrating to lose. You got to believe. 
in, yeah, in I, the bar. I, I think to your scene. point, it's a group effort. If you are perfectly welcome to tweet, you're perfectly welcome to do all these things. It's just become something that's very prevalent, particularly in the last couple of years. As writers, actors, everybody is very accessible on social media to hit them up and yell at them. But there's a difference between asking questions like, why did you make this choice versus attacking them for the choice? Pete, you're a pretty angry guy. What did you want to say about this? Well, I was just, uh, first off, yeah, I mean, you know, I can't, I'm not in a place where I can tell anybody what they can do or shouldn't do with their anger, okay? Um, uh, I do think, though, that, Yeah, you, like, scre- you scream in a jar and then close it up real fast, right? Well, I, I should try to do that. I should try to do that. That's <laughs> a safer for later. thing. By the way, yeah. Pete lives in Philly. If you're ever driving from New York to Philly, he has a real sweet farm stand set up where he sells jars of screams. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I love that's my Hey, that's my retirement plan. Let's not, you know, give away all my plans. Someone I love can take a that small idea. batch locally sourced Riverdale scream. Oh, <laughs> nothing dude. better. I got, I got plenty. I got plenty. Yeah, you, um, you got any uh, bughead angst back there? <laughs> do sure I? Do. <laughs> yeah, they're on sale. Um, I just think that like, uh, it's interesting that now there was like I was losing my shit many episodes ago when we started this whole malarkey. But uh, I appreciate passion. I do. But you know, uh, like you guys said, when you're working on a television show. And uh, I have been, uh, you know, PAs and interns and stuff on a, a lot of different stuff. But like, you know, there is a team, you know, to say it's one person's fault is kind of rough. You know, blame the whole thing. Like if you're going to burn it down, like burn the whole thing down. Yeah. Don't go at one writer who's just, uh, you know, may or may not be doing uh, uh, her you know, favorite work of all time. You know go, what I mean? Go so, after like, the line producer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of other people. Well, no, or, but... I, I just want to throw out there, and we know nothing about her or the script or anything like this. I just thought this was an interesting topic of discussion in particular, is this might be her favorite script of all time. That's fine, too. You know, she yeah. may be solely responsible for the script. That's okay. I think too often, particularly with these things, and particularly something we see with Riverdale this season, is it feels like this constantly swerving car of the fandom where it's like, oh my God. or the, actually the thing that I was thinking about the other day, it's like playing a game of hockey in the street, except you're playing a game of like Bughead or Barchi or whatever you're playing where you're like, okay, Barchi, game's on, come on. And then a car comes down the street and you're like, oh, oh man. Uh, game's off, get back off the street. Oh, the yeah. car's gone. Get back on the street. And that's what they're going for. They're playing around with this stuff. They're throwing everything over for a loop. And you just I get it. I feels it feels like the car is running you over in your beliefs. <laughs> and like maybe the show it's like the one thing you're hanging <laughs> to right now. I whatever you're going through, like it is rough out there right now. And I'm sorry. And you're not alone. But, you know, blaming a writer or whatever maybe isn't the healthiest. And again, I realize I am in no position <laughs> whatsoever to tell anybody anything. I'm just letting you know I also lost my goddamn shit on this episode. Yeah. The hole in the wall that Pete punches and gets bigger every week is it's there's no, yeah. no wall. We're going to we're, we're going to get to a point in the episode where I'm going to have to apologize for my to my girlfriend for what I did. So it'll happen. It's <laughs> oh my God, happen. that's dark. <laughs> Let's get into yeah. the recap for the episode before we get to whatever that point to the episode is. <laughs> so lots of stuff going in here. There's been a seven year time jump. So everybody's got new careers, new things going on. First off, we can start with Kevin and Fangs. They have been together for seven years. As far as we oh know, everything God. has been copacetic. Turns out this episode, not copacetic. <laughs> not great. Even remotely. 
Come on, they have been why? living together with Tony, who is pregnant. We didn't know who the baby daddy was for Tony. We also find that out this episode. But Tony oh. has been working not only to hold Riverdale together and run the Southside Serpents and at the White Worm, which is under Pops, but also run as school. guidance counselor at Riverdale High. She has been slowly working to coax Cheryl out of Thornhill. Cheryl is the one member of the gang who has not got on with her life. She's been in Thornhill the entire time, renovating the house like the Miss Winchester of yore. But Tony has been working on this elaborate 52-part plan to get Cheryl yeah. out of her house. She, They are now co-captains of the cheer squad, but they certainly clashed quite a bit, which leads directly into what happens this episode. Uh, Meanwhile, Cheryl has uh, been running an art forgery scheme that caught the attention of Minerva Marble, a art dealer. Minerva is played by Agatha from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah! Her real name is Adeline Rudolph, but I can't think of her as anything but Agatha when I watch her. She is one of the uh, great... Sisterhood of witches there. A two-person sisterhood, and that's all that's <laughs> oh, in there. Three. Come on. Three. Come on, man. I remember two. Dorcas. <laughs> Let's not turn this into an episode of Dorcas Dish, but I kind of want to. <laughs> so we don't know exactly what's going on with Minerva, but we do know that she found out about the art forgery scheme and had it out for Cheryl. Again, we get plan. a little bit more She's about what her plans plan. are this episode. Kind of what's going on with that. Uh, who else should we talk about? Betty Cooper. Betty Cooper is in the FBI trainee program right now. Her sister mm. Polly is missing, been missing for a good long while. Left her twins with Alice, who has been frenzied since the time jump, even more so than usual. Yes. And they've been searching through the swamps, Swedlow Swamp, I believe, to look for Polly. They haven't found her yet, but they have found at least 20 It, sa- it sounds like hundreds of bodies keep popping know, up there. Just, slathered with bodies at this point. Uh, but they've been searching along for that and trying to figure out what went down with Polly. It definitely has something to do with the truckers along with the place called the Lonely Highway, but we don't know yet. Meanwhile, Jughead is investigating his own thing of his uh, thing of his own, which is the Mothman <laughs> Mysteries. He was oh maybe God. kidnapped by aliens last episode. Additionally, a maple-soaked alien that was delivered to him by Nana Blossom was mm, taken from course. Pop's Diner. I, he may have eaten it the entire thing and had a bad dream. They haven't established that yet, but that's still my theory. The that's... the alien was in the kitchen. Right. Deep fry, put a little seasoning on there. I mean. Uh, mm. You got yourself a stew. Yeah, nothing like. I Baby? love a deep fried. Deep fried <laughs> Mothman is actually a, a delicacy <laughs> out west. If yeah. you have, you got to ask for it. As he's been Plus investigating it's... this, he's been helped by Tabitha Tate, who is the granddaughter of Pop Tate, who is now running Pop's Diner. And they've been teaming up. There hasn't necessarily been anything romantic, but I'm curious to talk about it more from this episode mm, because there's been a Jugatha. lot of debate. Uh, Tabhead. Debate about exactly what's happening. And Archie is working to save the town. He's also working construction. He's also a fireman. He's also an army general, uh, army sergeant, excuse me. Probably not general. (laughs) He's a four-star general general. advising the president. (laughs) He's the head of the Joint Chiefs. I believe. Oh Good. Uh, getting that social studies training from back in the day out here. <laughs> He's the he joint. is living with an old army buddy of his named Jackson, who has been helping him out with stuff. And meanwhile, been kind of making some eyes of Veronica, even though Veronica is married to a total Mal-wick. dick named Chad. Chadwick, yeah. baby. Chadwick. And I think that's Chad's everybody. A dick. Maybe. Uh, Reggie is also there. Reggie is yep. also there and does some fun Whoa. stuff. Whoa. 
Wow, Reggie. Yeah, we'll, that was... we'll have to, we, we need to talk about Kevin, but we also need to talk about Reggie. So let's get into it. Let's run through this episode since there's so much to talk about. We start off with a scene with some really interesting sound effects in it as Kevin is pleasuring a trucker at the truck stop. We find out later it's Rick, potentially Pickle Rick, but I'm not 100% sure. But this, it's Pickle Rick. No, it's not it's, what we how want. is that even... Later on, the guy is clearly not a pickle. You can't call him Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick is an actual pickle. All right. Well, whatever it is, the defense the defense rests over here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there are some very graphic sound effects going into that scene. That's all I'm going to say. It's a hell of a way to kick off an episode. It was, yeah, too much. Like the to start the episode with Kevin cheating on Fangs. I lost my goddamn shit. Well, but let's just they, real quick. I think yeah. th- this set off sort of what I guess is what's going on in this episode, that all of your preconceived notions about what was happening with everyone la- up to last episode, there are cracks in all of that. It's all so fragile and can fall away, which it almost to a to a T, everything is savaged in this episode. It was the one-two punch combination of Going from the Kevin cheating to Fireman Archie, I, I, I had emotions, lost my mind, didn't know what emotions were, then was blindsided by uh, the fucking suspenders, and I, I, I you, could you, barely recover. You tried to count Archie's abs, didn't you? You <laughs> spun out of control. Yeah. Those things are ridges, dude. Those things are fucking, like... They're deep. You can't do that. They're infinite. His abs yeah. are infinite. They never stop. So the thing that we find out about Kevin and Fangs over the course of the episode, he comes back to the apartment, doesn't really tell Fangs what's going on. He has every type of milk and several types of cereal for Tony who's having cravings. What we find out is that for the past three years, they've had an open relationship while Fangs has been on the road as a trucker. Which was a big relief. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yes. Kind of. And no. Yes, (laughs) and no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because uh... as we see later on, like... Kevin's struggling here with his, uh, I mean, I guess commitment issues. I think it's something that he's in a lot of episodes throughout this series talked about how he's just wants to meet somebody. And then he finally has this relationship and that's not right. Doesn't feel right either. So he's in this tough spot and it's, it's hard because you feel for him, but you're also like, come on, dude, (laughs) you got this all locked up. Well, like you were touching on, though, it is a surprisingly realistic thing and a horrible decision that people make all the time that they say, oh, we're having problems. Let's have a baby. That will solve those problems. Yeah. And that's what we find out later on is that they're having the baby with Tony. They're going to live very happily, all three of them in this apartment with the new baby. And as we know, a baby who keeps you up all night and sucks every piece of energy out of you is not a stress inducer. Well, you guys, come on. You guys have uh, two children each. So you guys, and when you had kids, it solved all of your problems. I mean, look at how much happy you guys are. Like, it was really, you guys were walking on sunshine after after kids, right? It does solve a lot of my problems where it was like, which bar do I want to go to tonight? (laughs) Not sure. The answer is zero. Yeah. but it also solves your problems because you can't remember anything before you had kids. <laughs> so it erases a lot of your brain. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, Kevin has certainly gotten the relationship to the point where it is too late. I Also, it bums me out. I, I really liked 
the emotional arc in this episode. I think Casey Cott and Julia Tanner did a great job with it. It was very heartbreaking by the end of the episode. Fucking heartbreaking. But it bums me out that the big Kevin episodes are always the ones where he loses somebody forever. We had that. Don't you say that. Hold on. And I don't think you're done, by the way. But Don't you fucking say that. Calm down. Pete, you have big, angsty teen energy right now, and I I really appreciate it. (laughs) Don't you talk to me like that. I'm going out, Dad, and I'm doing what I want. Just going to the movies with my friends, Dodd. So, Joaquin, when he left forever, that was the big episode. When Moose left forever, that was the big episode. They both came back at different points. And I think they're not, clearly Kevin and Fangs are not done, done. There's more to say there. But this was certainly a breakup, if not 50% of the way to a breakup. And uh, I don't know. I I want Kevin to have some other modes, you know? I want to see some other big emotional stuff happen other than that and him getting his kidneys stolen. But I think the point is, like, he needs to solve these issues. Um, He needs new kidneys, he needs to like okay. work through why he is rejecting I, both commitment and not commitment at the same at the same time. Oh, I thought you were going to say commitment and kidneys at the same time. Yeah, I uh, I can't I can't because uh, I'm 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 too mad at Kevin right now to have rational thought about like uh, how Kevin's being gypped right now. You're I not... understand what you're saying, but like it, uh, this was fucking heartbreaking. When Fang started crying, I was bawling my fucking eyes out. Like, it's you're in too deep to be doing stuff like this, man. Like, what do you? Uh, how do you not care about Fangs? Like, well, uh, you're not mad, Pete. You're just disappointed. Wow. Okay. It's true, but you can get in that deep, and he's just not ready to commit in that way. You sometimes feel like, okay, okay, the next thing that we do is get married. The next thing that we do is have a baby. That's what a lot of people do is they kind of just move down that checklist, not realizing what it means emotionally to them. And that's why there's a 50% divorce rate in the United States. That's what happens. So I, I don't know. I understand what you're saying, but plenty of people do it. So I understand why that's happening and where that comes from. And in Riverdale, by the way, there is, as far as I know, a 100% divorce rate. Yeah. So far, so far in the mm-hmm. series. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Or death rate. I mean, or, yeah, you, way. Oh. you either get divorced or one of you is a sociopathic serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> but neither the twain shall they meet. Let's move on to the Barchi sex scene. Justin, you want to now, talk about this one? Just to start this episode here, like, just we get to luxuriate in this just lovely moment. Bottle this shit up and send me something because i you know i want to save this like a little teeny little have a little spoonful every night before bedtime at this point was uh when i first had to uh walk away and i realized that this episode was going to be emotional dynamite for me it was a lot it was a good scene it was really well shot rachel Tulele is the director here she has had a crazy long career in tv and movies she's directed episodes of riverdale i believe before as well as doctor who and a ton of other stuff as well as a couple of movies i'm forgetting which ones but there's definitely ones that pete would know maybe i'll look it up at some point uh but really well like well shot and well lit scene beyond anything even if the firefighter thing was ludicrous 
Yeah. It was it, still very, very good looking. They definitely, they seem to have the... Stop it! The Riverdale Fire Department doesn't have budget for a fire truck, but they do have budget for high-end, hot-ass fireman gear. <laughs> <laughs> but no shirts! They can't afford shirts. I guess that's where you save. Yeah. That's well, the save. fire cannot attack the chest. Yeah. There's no, uh, he doesn't have any hair there for it to catch on fire. So what just it is, is, hit his plastic chest and bounce off. Well, the the fire, its breath is taken away when it sees Archie. And then <laughs> the oxygen just sucked out of the room. Instant anyway, so then. Uh, but Joe, let, me, Joe, let me say, before you try to paper over this, Pete, let's have a little moment. Um, because it does feel like this is the last real Barchi moment we're going to have for a while. And I want to just say it was great. And it felt like it was the perfect synthesis of all their teen drama and their connection it felt so innocent and nice i think despite being sad about maybe where this episode ends up this is such a nice scene to hold on to i agree i agree moving on and plus they had some awesome sex like really like (laughs) red letter day shit you know what i'm talking about like they they like you just think about it Pete. you've been thinking about it nope Dr. Whitley (laughs) talks to Jughead and Tabitha. Jughead confesses that the alien disappeared uh, and tells her about the light in the sky. She says the majority of cases, people are repressing a traumatic experience, though she thinks some others are telling the truth. That sets up Jughead's whole arc for the episode where he's wrestling with this. Uh, I'm going to fall on the side of trauma, personally. I don't know where you guys are at. Million percent. What? No. You think the aliens Uh, are real, Pete? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he saw it. It was there in the freezer. She saw it too. It wasn't like it was just his fever dream. You know, like, I, I understand what you're saying. It was just very frustrating how Jughead is not willing to open up and get help here. It's very... Well, I think just I like, think he does, honestly. I think he's doing both things, and that's one of the things that I liked about the episode. If they went straight into him medicating himself with drugs and drink and everything like that. I think that would be a very different thing than him having that vision later on and saying, you know what? I do need help. I do need to go to this group. Understandable that he gets scared and runs away uh, and runs back to the thing that's comfortable for him, which is drinking. But it's a good first step, you know? Okay. Well, you're giving him a lot of more credit. I am uh, like I understand running to the bottle very much so, uh, but uh, what's frustrating is the repeat of the pattern and the not willing to, you know. Yes, it's been a long, you know, it's seven years, even though it's just a couple episodes. Like the fact that this guy is in the meeting with you, telling you the same thing, and even she's like, "Wow, Jughead, that sounds similar to you being like, hey, man, this." regardless of what's happening it's happening to a bunch of people get your fucking detective shit going and wake up man we the town needs you here well to be fair that guy was kidnapped on the lost to be fair to be fair fair. (laughs) that guy was kidnapped on the lost highway which is different than the lonely highway so like different stories totally totally so so different completely different Mm -hmm. even though they're in the same town yeah, and, those and highways... Lost Highway was that a Lynch film? Is that... Yes. Okay. Um, pick me up. I'm at the intersection of the Lost and the Lonely Highway. I really need a ride. Um, <laughs> I do think that this Jughead stuff. I feel like we get a little bit of it here. He had some sort of trauma event happen in New York. I feel like he went from being like having this novel, feeling pretty great, and then 
everything fell apart, sort of a fear of failure thing maybe caused him to really like have some sort of break. Um, and he talks later in the episode when he's in class about uh, the book Slaughterhouse Five, a Kurt Vonnegut book uh, yeah. that I love. That's and he your, talks that's about – that's, that's my guy. Um, he talks about coming unstuck in time. And I think that's sort of what's happening to him a little bit, even if it's just happening in his head, where he's uh, imagining stuff that happened in the past, maybe the future if the Mothman thing becomes something that where he will actually encounter um, a dude in like a white skin suit. Um, who's weird. Uh, maybe that's what we're going to see soon. <laughs> if uh, Jughead would just leave the lights on, the Mothman's going to show up. Mm. I mean, I'd, the, when he's in the bathroom and he sees the, the scary dude behind him, like that's sort of an everyday occurrence for me, so I don't know what was so weird about it. Quick question about that while we're jumping all over the place. Which do you <laughs> think was the hotter shower scene, Barchi or Jughead and the Alien? Ooh. Alien. Alien, yeah. hotter, yeah, because hotter. I want to think like the sexier. other one doesn't exist in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess um, you know I'm going to go for the Barchi, but the Alien and Jughead scene had its own sort of like writerly uh, sort of. It looked. It was also like which one was more washed up and wrinkly. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Jughead is looking rough, dude. Yeah, Jughead. Yeah, is his big rough. problem was the prudy figures in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Mothman prune right up as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they do. It's true. Especially they actually unprune, I believe, in water. Yeah. They get, <laughs> they just sort of puff out like one of those sponges you get. In a Help castle. me. <laughs> Too much water. <laughs> That's why you, yeah. I've soaked in maple syrup. Anyway, uh, so where were we? Oh, yes. Uh, Stewie from Family Guy? Like, what I was really that? don't know what that was supposed to be. I think that I was some sort of Mothman. Yeah, Alex, you've encountered Mothman. I don't think that's Stewie. Does that sound like... Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does, though. This is Stewie. No, no I wasn't. <laughs> I'll keep working on it. You know what? <laughs> we don't edit this podcast very much. If you don't, because that section would have been removed. Yeah. <laughs> Alex proof, auditioning man. his Family Guy impression. That, this, is a, this is a number one cut for me. <laughs> number one cut. Hey, uh, Lois, uh, Lois said, uh, nope, 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 not an open door, <laughs> not an open door. Oh uh, I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm the dog. I will say. I can't believe, I honestly can't believe I remember this stuff, much stuff from the family guy. That's what I'm saying. The fact that you have these all on, uh, right on call is, is shocking. <laughs> so oh then gosh. we cut in on the Cooper house where Alice is having the twins. We get to see them very briefly. Saw the twins. <sighs> yes. Yes. They are making macaroni art. I love the detail that they're making this terrible macaroni art. And Alice is like, oh, Polly's going to love that when she comes home. So, I mean, Alice in this whole episode is just like, oh, my God. It's back to stressing out about Alice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think, though, Polly will come out of the swap after a month and be like, oh, macaroni art, thank you. <laughs> what sustained me through my truck swamp disaster? The hope of some dried macaroni art. <laughs> uh, guys, come on. Dried macaroni art is fantastic, okay? It's adorable. It, it you know, it shows love. I mean, come on. Don't, don't. Huge waste of perfectly good pasta. <laughs> if anything, make a little macaroni necklace that you can later cook at your leisure. Oh, I always prefer a good penne art or a farfalle art myself, personally. Wow, snobby-ass wow. Alex. Classic <laughs> post-Park Slope pasta One choice. time my kids brought home some tortellini art, and that was gross. 
Disgusting. Um, but yeah, if you have a little macaroni necklace with a little cheese locket, just drop it in a pan. <laughs> you got dinner. <laughs> so Betty gets a call from Tom Keller. They found another body. It's not Polly. Uh, and then we go over to Kevin and Fangs where they're steaming it out in the steam room. Whew. Yeah, comparing abs. Comparing abs. Good job to Casey Cott. Doing a little bit of workout for this very episode. Appreciate that. Uh, but I also appreciated the cut to Trey Chatter where he's like, yeah, good luck. Keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they talk it out. We find out about the open relationship when he was on the road. He said, Fangs, and this was the warning bells for me, even beyond the first scene, was Fangs like, yeah, I want to be a monogamous too. And then they cut to Kevin, and Kevin's like, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, long of course take it goes up. Kev. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 I want that. That's what he Betty said. discovers it's not Polly. Alice uh, is relieved. Is like, oh, thank God, Polly's definitely alive. She certainly seems delusional at this point, though. As we find that yeah. later, maybe not actually that delusional. Her then we cut over to Veronica. Oh, go ahead, Pete. Where I was just going to say it, the it's proof that she's still out there. Like manic on the phone. I was like, oh God, I don't know if we'll ever see her again after that statement. Yeah. I mean, I think Polly, even with the end of the episode, she's definitely still alive and she's out there somewhere. We're going to catch no. up with her. But no, yes. I do it's like a bloody that. phone booth, Zalbin. Whose blood is that? The phone booth's blood. Yeah, there's a, a lot of phone booths to have a fully working um, vascular system. So you never know. <laughs> That's why you be careful when you hang up too hard. It might get a little bruise. I'm yeah, sorry. Have you ever hung up a phone? This is why they don't really have phone booths anymore is you would hang up the phone and it'd go, ow. Wait, I'm sorry. Did I just wake up in the Snyderverse? Uh, there's blood in phone booths now? What's going on? Wow, uh, good topical comment. Topical, Pete. Keep it fresh. <laughs> I once had a blood transfusion from a phone ne- booth. In, never uh... going to watch it. That's why Superman goes in phone booths to change. Is he has a little uh, of some he's, blood to get him He's stronger. a vampire. He's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Well, this makes sense. Uh, second edit. <laughs> Definitely, this is the second edit. Yes. This... this... <laughs> This made no sense. Now back to Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) We do that as a counterpoint so people know that Riverdale actually does make sense. And we are crazy. Yeah, exactly. So we go over to Veronica. She gets an IM from Chad. I love this reaction from her where he's like, hey, how are you doing? Want to chat? And she's like, not now, Chad. Not now, Chadwick. Later on the episode when she's like, yeah, I guess we're getting divorced. I was like, yeah, I know you hate him. (laughs) You hate every part of him. So Um, Veronica wants to start a rebattle immediately. Tell Smithers that she hired a contract. Smithers Smithers looks like worse than Jughead. Smithers looks like (laughs) Jughead after a couple weeks on the old lonely highway. Well, maybe it's Slaughterhouse-Five Jughead and he's jumping around in time. That would be a huge reveal. Yeah. Oh, it's much a better place for him being uh, Veronica's manservant. I mean, if he they reveal later on that Smithers has been a zombie for the last three episodes, I'd be like, yep. Checks out. <laughs> and we cut over to her and Archie, who she's hired as the contractor. He wants to also hire Eric Jackson. Uh, she is about to tell him that she's interested in him and she has some feelings for him. But they got cut off because Jughead comes in eating some Lay's. Oh, my God. Great. Jughead in this scene, he like Veronica's going in. It looks like almost for a kiss. Like she's just like all wrapped up in Archie's vibes, and and then uh, Jughead's like, "Hey, what's up? What's hey, going on? Hey, and, fix and, your shit, Veronica." And, <laughs> and then like that magic moment to him just being like looking over at Betty, going, "Hey, I lost it." That, that was, was funny. So Very funny. funny. Very so funny. funny. Like the timing on that. 
was so great and like the like just the poor look of uh, Jughead right now I'm like yeesh guy but man it was so great yeah, let me ask you did that did you feel Bughead vibes when that like because honestly I was I was like oh wow that to me feels like oh they're not even going to touch Bughead for a while based on that reaction for a while. I mean, the rest, the rest of our lives. The rest of our lives. Well, no, 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 no. This, just, right. just, you no, no, no just into... our natural lives. Just our natural, <laughs> natural lives. <laughs> no, no, no. If you want to get into this now, it's clear that they need to be together for the sake of the town because there's all these things happening and because they're not talking and being detectives, all the shit's slipping through the cracks. Like, no. Jugatha, if they were t- Jugath is on the case. Betty has a the FBI that will work in for you. And to, to Alex's point, it's just our natural lives, Pete. Clearly, your unfinished business as a ghost will be to see Bughead together, so you will haunt the earth until it happens. Great. That seems fair. No, I mean, honestly, I think they're going to be together in two episodes. Whether it's going to last long term. (laughs) I think so. I mean, we're going to see them, like Pete is saying, we're going to see their two investigations intersect. This is jumping ahead. But when Polly finally calls... And Alice says, oh, she said she was lost somewhere that was, you know, smooth and metallic, kind of like a spaceship. I was like, all right, I get this. He's going to be investigating the Mothman stuff. She's investigating the Lonely Highway stuff. Like, I think we talked about this last episode. They're going to end up in the same place and be like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And from there, they'll realize they're investigating the same things. I bet before the midseason break, we're going to have a little smoocherella going on and then pick up and see what happens from there. Intersection uh, of Lost and Lonely Highway is where Betty and Jughead meet. But mm. I think that they don't actually um, have romance anymore. It's just their investigations start fucking each other, and so they just sort of watch <laughs> that happen. Just in the in the room watching. Yeah. Whoa, oh. Mothman versus truck thing. Uh oh, <laughs> hook up. Real IWDs, right? Investigators with benefits. So exactly. Cheryl enters, doesn't know why there's there. Uh, Kevin oh and Fangs God. make an announcement. As we mentioned, they're engaged. They're having a baby. Yeah. It's Tony's baby. They're going to raise it together. Cheryl is very upset. This was such a funny this... moment. What a great credit drop. Probably the best of the season. What in the I'm... actual? Yeah, what in the actual? What in the actual, yeah. I mean, I love the pickup from credits even better where Cheryl kicks in the door. The yeah. kick in the Tony's door? To the... Oh, so funny. My... Yeah. Uh, uh, she... Yeah, she comes wait, wait, wait. in. We gotta take this. We gotta take this back a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the reveal of that's whose baby it is, and that's why she's pregnant, was such a like, oh my god, there's hope for Cheryl and Tony, and then immediately Cheryl ruins that. It was so heartbreaking, but such a great explanation and so sweet and endearing, and the fact that Tony kept that. Oh, I love that. That was such a great, nice moment. I'll tell you what, while we've been going pretty far afield with stuff that happened in the episode, as a shoddy shipper, this episode was obviously hard to watch. Devastating. Yeah. Very, very hard. But Tony was right across yeah. the Tony's board. Tony's been right. And I also think, I love Cheryl as a character. I think everything that she did in this episode, as wild and out of control as it was, tracked with where they have her in terms of the season. Again, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but she is the one character who is in arrested development. She is still stuck in her high school state. That's why she has the key party. That's why she says what she says. That's everything she does. And she doesn't understand that everybody across the board is emotionally different and they are in different places. So she goes 
absolutely batshit nuts over the course of this episode, Tony shuts her down completely rightly, and it sucks that they're probably not going to happen for a while, but I do think, like we predicted, she's going to get together with Minerva, find out, oop, we're two Cheryls, that doesn't work, and then Cheryl's going to kind of grow up from there and get to a point where she really, where she deserves Tony again. Yeah, I yeah, think... well, it'll be too late because Tony doesn't got time for that bullshit. That's unbelievable how Cheryl is treating Tony. And first off, when Tony reveals the condition thing and then we get to see nice Cheryl where Cheryl opens up and cares uh, and realizes, uh, you know, how amazing Tony is. There was a real nice moment there. It was a nice then moment. Cheryl, Cheryl ruins it by just being an awful person. And I, I... I just feel like Tony shouldn't have to deal with this shit anymore. This it's just too much. Well, but I think Tony still loves Cheryl, but she Tony knows that Cheryl needs to make a choice, and I think the choice in front of us we're going to see play it out. Like Alex is saying, is Minerva is the sort of reckless side of Cheryl. Cheryl has always been sort of two very distinct halves: the Cheryl who yeah. is like mixing it up, causing problems, um, like chasing the doll filled with her brother's ghost. And then there's the Cheryl who really cares for all the people in the town, really does the right yep. thing, knows archery, and like likes to dress up in a little red cloak. <laughs> yeah. those, those are the as two Cheryls, do. as you do. And Minerva represents the the wild Cheryl, and Tony is the good Cheryl, and Cheryl will have to make that choice. And I think it's going to take all season, Alex, to, the, as the Shoney shipper here. Mm-hmm. I think that is going to be the longest lead. It's going to be the longest jer- journey for Cheryl to come back to Tony. Totally, totally agree. The rest of the relationships, it's a little unclear. It feels murkier in terms of the path where we're heading. Pinball is where we're heading, I think. Definitely. But I 100% agree with you. Shoney is the long game. We're going to get that by the end of the season. It's going to be back together. But Uh. Cheryl's Cheryl needs to learn. She gives this gift of a horror nursery to Tony. Oh, my God. That was the scariest (laughs) fucking place. Did you see that little doll behind her? Like it terrifying. was like this the whole little, thing, oh my God. Terrifying, absolutely wrongheaded. And as Tony pointed out, it was selfish on the part. Yeah, it was not yeah. giving. It was come to my world. Yeah. Not, live in my yours, creepy fucking And we're going to have to get to a place where Cheryl needs to be less selfish. And we'll get there. Yeah. You know, I think. Uh, but no, until so then, confident, as you Alex. Uh, she has this poignant speech, Tony, about having a medical condition where yeah. as she gets older, it's going to be harder to have a baby. That's why she's doing this quickly, which I thought was a great explanation for this. And Cheryl apologizes, but basically says, I don't know if we can be together anymore. That's not going to work for me. Garbage. Cheryl, you're garbage. Come on. <laughs> wow. Then we go over to Kevin and Betty talking, and I will say I loved seeing them be such good friends again this episode. Telling each really other nice. their secrets. Yes. Great. Very good. Uh, and super fun conversation as well. Kevin going through so many different shipper things, saying, oh, God, please don't tell me you and Jughead are getting back together. And then we get oh. my favorite line of the episode, where Betty says, Archie's this lit window in the dark, and I don't want that light to ever go out. Chills. I got goosebumps all over my body. Really? Interesting. I did. I loved it. Well, because I loved it because that like that calls back to the pilot. That's how they first saw Archie is in that lit window, and I thought it was such a beautiful way of expressing it. It also, is really nice. But when she said that, I was like, "Well, they're gonna break up because you don't <laughs> yes, you don't fuck the lit window next door. You don't have a romance with that, do you? Yeah, uh, it's hard to uh, climb up uh, unless high. you're some sort of construction worker who's like, I would love that lit window." Uh, <laughs> Well, I also like it that we're acknowledging the dark Betty. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yes. Dark Betty got a loud nods to Dark Betty getting even darker, and I'm very excited to see what's going to happen there. So then we go over to Jughead teaching Slaughterhouse-Five. As we talked about, he sees the alien again in the middle of class and decides, you know what, I'm going to have to call this group. I'm going to get it together with him. Get a quick scene of Cheryl painting Minerva. This was a little bit of a swerve for me. I kind of thought Minerva would be wanting in on the art forgery thing, but nope, she thinks Cheryl's a great painter. She wants her to paint her as Diana. And uh, yeah, and as we see at the end of the episode, we sort of talked around this a little bit, but like they kiss. Um, and I think Minerva, despite being the Cheryl, the, a Cheryl type who wants to just mix everything up, she seems suspicious. Um, there, I think there's mm-hmm. something else going on here. Oh, she, yeah. It felt yeah. felt like she was acting purposefully to try to get together with Cheryl for some other yeah. reason. Perhaps revenge <laughs> from all of the family members that Cheryl killed at the end of uh, last season. I, I think so. I think there is something because she clearly, as soon as she showed up, had that kind of like, I'm working an angle kind of feel to it. But also, I liked how she was trying to give Cheryl good advice, like, Oh, you need to rise above it. Like, hear what she is saying to you and actually think about it and then kind of make the smarter choice. And then Joe's like, or I could cause rain chaos. And I was like, oh, no, Cheryl. Don't Cheryl this up. I mean, that's the Cheryl we love in some ways. Oh, yeah, man. in some ways and others uh, not. Then we got a great scene. Pete, you had to be psyched about this. Katie Keene calls Veronica. And it's what, not you can't FaceTime? You don't FaceTime your friends? We can't see Katie Keene? Come on. I thought, just from a production logistical standpoint, this was a great use of quarantine. I know that's a ridiculous way of looking at it, but that they got Lucy Hale on the phone, got her to record on the phone, or just recording the dialogue on her computer, or however they did it. (laughs) No, they called her live on set. (laughs) I hope she picks up. I hope she picks up. Oh, God. It's 8.30 p.m. on the East Coast. She's got to be there. I hope we make this connection. Uh, no, the fact that they recorded her dialogue and had her do it, I thought that was great. Just jabbing a chock full of details about where she is and Katie Keene and that Chad is with the heiress with a spiffity's fortune. Super fun. Very fun. Agreed. Again, anytime we see a Katie Keene ref, which has been many, it's just sad that that show doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah but they're doing a good job of bringing it into the universe. I hope that they do a little bit more with Sabrina as well now that that's gone. Might be a little trickier because it's Netflix versus CW, but... Fun stuff. Then Archie and Erica renovating. Veronica immediately gets a revenge selfie with them saying flex for my followers. She wants to show Chad who uh, that leads him to coming right up for the key party. As we find out later, Cheryl gathers everybody at the white worm uh, at the white worm. And now we're getting deeper into the Barchi storyline here. So I'm curious to get your take on this, Justin. There's certainly been a lot of back and forth online. Eric asks Archie about Betty and Veronica, and he immediately says, oh, it's a casual thing with Betty, which he repeats later on. That was not my impression from previous episodes. I felt like Archie was getting in deeper than Betty. But what we get this episode is Betty is definitely in deeper than Archie. No. What are you talking about? No, it's... I think what this episode kind of proved was that, like, maybe there was a possibility of something more, but Betty keeping it like, hey, listen, this is, we're friends. Like, this is just a, I'm in a dark place right now. This is kind of my light in the window moment. Like, that showed this was a business transaction and people maybe in the beginning were too guarded to open up. (laughs) Like, Archie seemed like he was really guarded because he didn't want to get hurt. 
but it's also like he didn't. There wasn't any feelings there. Don't try so. to undercut Barchi right now. You're you're one second away from being like they were just trying out different soaps in the shower for business. You know, <laughs> that's not what was happening. for their soap company. Um, no, I mean I agree with you. It's all a little confusing. I think purposefully, like. I don't think we're meant to know. Like, it is weird. Archie definitely seemed like he was way driving so much harder at it while Betty was like, let's keep this distant. Um, and, but then Veronica starts to be sort of in the picture, and all of a sudden Archie's just like, well, you know, I got feelings for Veronica. And, of course, Betty's move is going to be like, oh, I need you to be this for me because I can't have – my life's about to go crazy. I can't have us having this She's weird right. thing happening. Yeah. So I get that. But, again, I feel like it's Betty protecting her her overall, like, mental state when mm-hmm. uh, I don't necessarily believe that she's like, I I don't think this is a thing in the, in that later scene. I think she's just mm-hmm. worried about what's happening in her life. It felt a little bit in that – you can't even really call it a breakup scene because they weren't together. But in that scene, it felt a little bit like Betty preempting things or making yeah. the choice a little easier for Archie. Because as we know, Archie, in the best way, but he's the dog, right? Like he's there and he's like, oh, no, which odor do I go to? What do I do? So which Betty odor? has this great expression, I thought, where she sees what's coming when he's like, Hey, I got to tell you something. She's like, Oh, here we go. He's likes Veronica. This is the same thing that happened in high school. And so she jumps ahead of it, makes the choice easier for him. Also, no, like no. you're saying, she's being honest. Well, I, I think she is, but she's also, she's doing this thing where she's like, like you're saying, Justin, let's not get into this. I can't do this right now. I'll make it easier for you so you don't feel like you're stuck between two people. I'm going to make it easier for me so I can concentrate on things, and that's where we're going to move from here. So it definitely felt like a period at the end of the Barchi sentence, but for the life of the show, I don't think we're done with it permanently. And I also think they literally left the window open here. Betty's going to need him to come bring her out of the darkness, and I think... This season proves that Jughead isn't capable of that because he's in his own darkness that is distinctly separate from hers. So I think it is going to be up to Archie to rescue her, and I think that's where we may get this relationship going to the next level. Nope. The <laughs> no? no? No, because there's a uh, firehouse are telling scene. me no. Because <laughs> <laughs> the firehouse scene shuts that all down. I don't know if you're familiar with... Um, uh, Betty and um, Veronica, but they kiss and stuff all the time, and they break up, and they're both absolutely fine with it. <laughs> I will say I am okay with the place where things ended up only if Archie and Betty are actually friends in subsequent episodes. If we do get a mode where, well, he's with Veronica now, so they don't talk for seven episodes or so, other than occasionally being in the same room, that'll be frustrating to me. But if they do follow up and legitimately have, like you're saying, a Archie there for Betty as a friend, helping her out when she needs it, I think that's good. And I'd like to see that more on the show. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get into this key party because we're finally getting there. So Cheryl apologizes to Tony, wants a do over, wants to host a party for the three of them. Tony's like, oh, great. It immediately goes downhill because Cheryl says she's throwing a key party. Love the cutaways to Vanessa Morgan here as Tony, who immediately was like, what the fuck what is happening? Fuck, yes. This yeah, sucks. Exactly. God damn it, Cheryl. What in the... Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then the most hilarious thing to me, I thought, was the pug, uh, punchline for the scene where she says, I'm texting you deets. 
Mm-hmm. What were the deeds? Yeah. My house at eight? Like, what could she not have said out loud? Type of key to bring, rules. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was interesting where I was like, okay, we're just going to switch keys here, and then you guys all go home. <laughs> and then do whatever. <laughs> Great that's party, not a, honestly. That's not a key party, technically. Come over think. for one drink and then leave? Love it. I know we've been in quarantine for a while, but honestly, ideal party for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one drink. One drink, one take drink home a mouth. stranger to have sex with? Yeah. Alex. Alex ready to get wild. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't saying the last part, but you know what I mean. Betty sees Polly. Immediately, we think Polly's alive, but nope. It's a TBK-fueled dream. Oh. Had a little bit too much of that Burger King before bed, probably. That's what mm. I took away from the scene, and yep. that's why she was having a nightmare. The Burger King. That's what TBK stands for. Yep. And then Betty texts Archie, kisses him. She wants to forget. Next morning, immediately, Archie talks to Jackson, says, oh, I thought it was a booty call. It was actually something totally different. Yeah, Didn't he, he basically great. was like, I thought it was a booty call. It was and a I was okay it was, with it. it was a duty call. I had to go over there and do this and that. And it's like, it was my duty he... to please this booty is what he yeah, said. That is what he said. Uh, I, I would like to just say, though, at the announcement of the key party, just the thought of like all the possibilities of like, I'm rooting for this relationship. There's this relationship happening. And the fact that that could all get like shooken up and like scrambled around blew my mind. And I was like, I, this, this is too emotional of a show. The fact that they're now playing with it so casually made me absolutely furious. I loved it. I wanted to put some money down. I wanted to pause the episode uh, and call you yeah, guys but, up and throw but some the cash Reggie down. thing? Like, nobody would have had that. I had Who would have had the had Reggie? Reggie kissing fangs written down. Oh, really? No, oh, okay. no way you saw that. So, he says he feels something for Veronica. Kevin uh, wants fangs while they're working out to bring one of his trucker bros to spice things up. Fangs doesn't want to do it, but Kevin convinces him. Really just heading himself for a crash here is what's going on. Fangs is like, Uh, why would you do that? We just closed our relationship. Oh my God. uh, We get the scene of Alice saying that Polly called and that she's alive. And then we go over to the alien support group and Jughead tells his story. But when he is asked about his blackouts, storms out, Tabitha follows him. Jughead admits he has blacked out a ton before he did a bunch of drugs and jingle what? jangle, jingle jangle, harder, harder, harder stuff, than harder than jingle yeah. jangle. That what sounds crazy that? to me. That's the hardest. I didn't stuff think I've that. Ever. I mean, obviously, fizzle rocks, jingle jangle, and then like goop to goop or whatever the next one is. <laughs> yeah, I guess goop to goop is yeah. the. I mean, I mean, I guess lighting all the drugs on fire at once would be harder than jingle jangle. I don't know. I just, I thought that line was just insane. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, though, is going on with Tabitha and Jughead? Because, I don't know, I got a lot of flack for saying, oh, man, Jughead didn't pick up on the fact that she was asking him out on a date, which seemed like that's what she was doing based on her reactions. But do you think she was just trying to take care of her friend? I I thought she wanted a date. I mean, she said, like, don't go to the key party. Let's go on yeah, a date. let's hang out together. <laughs> yeah, let's hang out. But it also is like, you know, she, he's the only worker she has. You know what I mean? She's trying to look out for this. She knows that Pops has a great relationship with him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a relationship or you can read into things. She was a little disappointed by him being into the key party. Uh, but, yeah, but the the fact that, like, I don't know. I don't I don't really. They could get together and whatever, but I'm 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 pulling for for something else. But like. 
I thought she was oh, really. Oh, really? What, what are you gra- pulling for, Pete? I, I just, else? I just, I don't want to reveal it, but I feel like very coy. <laughs> she, she has been amazing to Jughead, though. She has mm-hmm. been an absolute uh, great a, partner. Yeah, unbelievable partner. And, and I think if we know anything about Jughead, he likes to date the person he's solving mysteries with, and I think it's pretty clearly Tabitha. I do think there's something more going on with Tabitha that we don't know yet. I know I keep pushing that in every episode. We have not anything revealed. So maybe she just is very straightforward. But it feels like there's got to be some sort of reveal of uh, she had some experience with blackouts or she was kidnapped. She's an alien. She was kidnapped by aliens. Like, I don't think it's anything nefarious here. It just feels like there's something going on with her that we don't know what it is yet. Um, we do get the scene of Veronica and Archie spackling together. Oh, and they are getting abs. They're getting absolutely plastered together. It's crazy. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. And where... they talk about the key party a little bit. Veronica's like, hmm, maybe. What if we get matched up at the keys? But Archie shuts that shit down, asking about Chad. He's not going to do anything while they're still married until the end of the episode, at the very least. Yeah, right. <laughs> as soon as he I gets just... that big D out there, it's like divorce. No, but first off. It was, I was very happy that Archie was still, he was still trying to figure out his emotions a little bit. He didn't want to lead Veronica on, especially, or not lead her on, but he's, she's married. He's trying to respect that and not come in between things. So like, I was very happy with how they talked, but after that discussion where like, they start off and they were kind of cutesy, like, Ooh, key party. And then he was like, you know, they kind of felt like real rigid at the end. I couldn't help but root for them, you know, VNA. I'm a Vabra. You know what I mean? I want, I want to see Veronica and Archie together. Vabra. A Vabra? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Veronica and Archie. V-A. <laughs> Where's the good. Brock part come from? It's like oh. bro, but. Bro. Oh, it's like bro. Okay. Okay. And also Pete's launching a line like Victoria's Secret style. Um, Veronica and Archie bras. Right? <laughs> the Vabra. That's great. I'll wear yeah, those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think. For Archie to not say his feelings, even though he was thinking and feeling them, was very surprising, especially yeah. when it was followed up by two absolute banger feelings drops uh, at the end of this episode. <laughs> I also like in that scene where um, Archie's like, oh, is Chad going to come to the small town key party? And Veronica's like, yeah, he doesn't yeah. miss small town key parties. Chad, <laughs> he's on the train right now. Toot toot, Chad's coming home for the key party. Well, Chad, oh, as soon as he got there, goes up to Archie and he's like, a lot of fun ladies at this party. He cannot wait to get keys yeah. and then things go wrong for him. That whole thing was so douchey. Like, Chad is, Chad's a dick. Uh, and that whole bro-to-bro talk was just, it, I loved Archie's face as he walks away. Like, who are you, dude? But Archie wasn't even trying to, uh, like, be nice at that point. Like, he's just instantly, like, I'm not even speaking to this guy. Yeah. yeah. So we do get to the key party. It's the new Thornhill. Cheryl collects everybody's keys in this mysterious bowl where you can't see keys. It's a glass oh. bowl, as we know. Impossible. And it's impossible to tell who's is what. Exactly. Yeah. And you walk up, put your hand in, look at the keys you want, and take that person's keys home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I got to tell you, I key party, whole thing in Thornhill, very fun, very well shot. Most disappointing part of the episode in a weird way. Like what? Well, I'm just saying because the there was no thing was wild it. shakeups. Everything kind of what? happened for the most part as you'd expect. I, oh, you I hear you the on Reggie. that because when I you, the, you the saw first... the Reggie coming. 
Like so I said, what? I predicted the Reggie um, Fangs no. kiss. You years can't ago. say that. That was such a like. I clutched my pearls that I was not wearing. Beautiful pearls. I was pearls. like, oh my god, Reggie, and I was like, oh, that is fucking. Can I just cool. mention, Pete? Those pearls really emphasize your vibra. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Veronica on one side and then Archie on the other. Yeah, no, we know we know how <laughs> yeah, the vibe works. We can see it on Skype. That's Come on. It's beautiful. Okay. Um, I think um, I agree with you, Alex, in that when the scene started, I was like, oh, this is so fun. No take backsies. Let's do this. And then you and everything played out like, oh, in a very like, sort of I This of all makes course. sense to everything that's yeah. been set up earlier in the episode. It wasn't a true wild shake up there the episode was the shake up the key yes. party actually is just paying off those well those particularly because cheryl set up this key party for two purposes right and two purposes alone one to break up kangs and two to get back tony one of those things actually worked unfortunately but she wasn't really concerned with any of the pairings or anything like that and i think that's why it ended up executed that way but to talk through everything really quickly uh so kevin and betty talk uh, Kevin doesn't know why he pushed Fangs. We get the Archie and Chad scene we mentioned. Fangs brings Rick because Fangs and Rick have been hooking up on the road. So that's pretty awkward. Pickle Rick, right? Pete? Stop trying to make that happen. No, I think that, like, I was just, I really wanted Betty. I know Betty's got a lot going on, but I was like, Betty, please talk to Kevin. Kevin is fucking up he's in a tough place he needs to talk this out with somebody please buddy please everyone's dealing with their own stuff and they're having a hard time connecting and i think an example of that uh is i guess we're there's the archie uh veronica chadwick scene that happens i was like archie cool it a little bit here you're not involved (laughs) in this relationship i love that that was really cool i appreciated veronica stepping in yes specifically saying cut it out we're not doing this thing that we did in high school let's just move on i'm taking control of the situation which is exactly what she's been doing throughout the time jump and all along and i really appreciate that about the character i did very quickly want to mention the line from cheryl when she introduces it she sets up the key party as you know this is a throwback to when we were in our high schools we're in our 20 now then it's going to be 30s then death yeah (laughs) she sets it up which very funny line but i guess i'm accurate to how 20-year-olds think about things. They're like, 25, I'm so old right now. Next no. thing is death. That's going to happen. Yep. We're getting more closer. more to life, kids. There's more to life. That's I don't know I about say. that. Uh, remain to be seen. <laughs> um, but what I want to say about everyone's sort of in their own heads and a little selfish, Jughead is blind drunk. Yeah. Um, staggers up. Well, like, it's an open bar. it all up. Open bar, yeah. Doesn't mean he have to. He's the only one. They've been there for 10 minutes. <laughs> he's wasted. Um, And... No one bats an eyelash. Tabitha is mm-hmm. the only one who takes him home. No one. There's not even reactions from Archie, uh, his friends. He lives. Jughead lives with Archie, right? Like, yeah. And Archie's like, "Hey, I'll give him a ride home." No, he's like, "I got to see who's well, keys Archie's I'm gonna got." Get. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Ar- yeah. You're I absolutely that right. Was, I was. I was surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think this gets into how all of this was very straightforward and rhythmic in terms of the key party. Everything before it, really good. Everything after it, really good. Key party itself, just fine. But uh, we do get the Come Reggie on, picks Fangs thing. He kisses him, says, no promises, but we'll see what happens, stud. 
Great moment. Love this move. So did fun. not did not like the line afterwards where Fangs, when Kevin gets home, says, turns out Reggie is 100% straight. He is not 100% straight. At best, 90 to 95% straight. You know, okay. I, I just think right. like... You're a, a mathematically... No, all I'm saying is like there was a great move there to just surprisingly make Reggie bi or pansexual or whatever they were going for and to backtrack on that immediately. It was a bummer, I thought. Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't sense. take it that way. I thought it was Reggie being like, these are the rules. I play by the rules. Kiss. And then... I mean, I get why the line, like, calling him 100% straight. If they were like, Reggie's 90% straight, it would have been like, <laughs> what, what do you mean? Well, what does that 10% yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, I, I took it as a little bit more playful and less, like, because I don't think every move in in this show has to be, like, that's a now that's a huge thing. I think we could still have those playful moments um, with Reggie just being like, yeah, I'm going to kiss this dude. All right. See what happens. Fair enough. Uh, let's uh, talk through the rest of the stuff. So Kevin picks Eric. Betty gets Archie's keys. And Cheryl's left with Tony. Tony's like, I knew this was going to happen. Brings her right. to the Nursery of Horrors. Says, I'm not joining you here. Uh, you know, this was wrong. I didn't mean to lead you on or anything like that. Uh, and leaves. And we're probably not going to As... get any Shoney stuff for a good long while. Because I think... This was the last episode that Vanessa Morgan filmed before she went on maternity leave. So we're going to be dealing with the ramifications from Cheryl for a while, but it'll be a while until you see what happens with Tony, which should be interesting. And she should have stormed out. That was just made me so mad that like Cheryl's plan was live here in this creepy horror show. I mean, and Tony was right. We already lived in that fucking nightmare with your fucking dolls and your weird ass dead brother. Like, are you out of your mind? And she is. She's not thinking right. No, she's not. That's the sort of stuff you do in high school is live in a creepy old house with the ghost of your brother who lives in a doll. They're in their 20s now. They're almost yeah. dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's right. You Now that you've grown up, you get into art forgery and other grown up stuff. <laughs> So we get into a bunch of chats at this point. Tabitha brings Jughead yeah. home, puts him to bed. He's clearly trying to avoid something from New York they key in on. So we'll certainly find out about what that is going forward. And then we get the Fangs and Kevin maybe, maybe not break up. Great scene, as we talked about before. Really heartbreaking. Well, yes. Because we got to talk about the gazebo scene. That oh, was sure. like, yeah, the kind of reveal that. I don't know what uh, Kevin was looking for there because Ke- uh, Kevin was like, did Fangs ever talk about me? And Rick was like, no. And then th- like that kind of affected Kevin in a way, which I was like, whoa, like I I wasn't, it seemed like, I don't know, it was like a weird twist to me where, you know, like Kevin wasn't sure about the relationship, but if Fangs would have uh, like talked about him, he would have been more sure. I wasn't sure what was there. No, I think that's there. exactly what it is. I think you're exactly right that, Kevin clearly, as we find out, has been the one who's been pushing for commitment from Fangs all along. He's the one who has said he's wanted it. So if Fangs wanted it back, he'd be into it. But now he's just not sure. You know, and we don't really know from Fangs' perspective other than Fangs throws it in his face. is like, you wanted this. This is what you wanted this entire time. Why are you backtracking? Well, but I also felt like it was Kevin looking for a reason to bail mm-hmm. and to, to get an answer. Because it makes sense that if Fangs is, is hooking up with Rick on the side, he's not going to be like, can I talk to you about my um, 
long-term relationship and boyfriend. Like, I get why he wouldn't do that. So, like, Kevin, to me, is, like, digging for something that he can confirm his doubts with there. And a a gazebo is a great way. That's the that's the the set. If you ever have a talk under under a gazebo, it's all going to hell. Under a gazebo, well, in a gazebo, whatever you know. If you're under the gazebo, then you're. I've only seen them. I've only seen them. I haven't experienced in the gazebo. Pete Um, used to split chicken bones with a dog underneath the gazebo in the center of town. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Different times. Different times. Um, You were in high school. Yeah, really grew up. Yeah. It was just a couple of years ago. Um, the the Kevin breakup thing. I was I was bawling when Fang started getting uh, uh crying. I was crying and I screamed "Why Kevin?" at my computer screen. Is oh. that when your girlfriend was like, "Hey man, no, we're not there yet. We're not oh, there yet." Okay. Oh man, wow. I thought maybe we missed it, but I'm very excited. No, no, no. Uh, so Betty and Archie are chatting. We finally get the Barchi conversation. They're wondering if we're in this room together. Why aren't we doing anything? We've touched on a bunch of stuff here, but they decide by the end that she wants a friend. She needs a friend more than a lover, more than an escape, a friend, a window of light in the dark. And then he says, then that's what I'll be a dark night. And then he drives Ooh. his bike out of there and the movie ends. And it's was super cool. And you're like, yeah, Man, it's very cool. I can't yeah. wait for the next one. Yeah, I I do. I did really like Betty's line. Like, we should make sense. Like, we should fit together, but we don't. And I thought that was like, I love the honesty of that. And that way it's like, okay, well, I'm glad we're on the same page. And I don't feel like Betty was saying that to get out of something or to let anybody off. I thought that was just kind of an honest talk. But I actually think the opposite. I think she was just saying that to patch up um, her, what's going on in her life. And I think maybe they do work, you know? No. Um, is there a worse thing to hear Archie say to you if you are anyone close to him than I have to be honest with you? Long pause. <laughs> <laughs> he does it back to back with, with uh, Betty and then Veronica a couple scenes later. And he does it the same way both times. Like, I have to be honest with you. Pause, pause. Like, say whatever you're going to say, you psychopath. <laughs> what, are you in love with a fire hydrant now? Tell me. <laughs> Psychopath. Oh, my God. Chad and Veronica talk setting up their divorce officially. So good news. We'll definitely never see Chad again. He is gone from the show. Great. That's just great. I really hope that's true. No, he's Chad's a dick. Of course, I don't want to see him. I like Chad as as Hiram Jr. Villain. No, Uh, he's got a sweet vest. I just wanted to see him pop off the sleeves and just be fully vested up in here, getting ready to fight Archie with like a rival fire department or something. Yeah, they're going to come to blows eventually, 100%. Jughead sees the alien in the mirror for that sexy shower scene that we talked about earlier. As we mentioned also earlier, Cheryl uh, shows a painting to Minerva. She thinks she's repulsive, and Minerva says, no, you're beautiful, and they kiss, kicking off the era of Shinerva. We're all shipping it, right? Yep. Right? Nope. Nope. No? Nope. Okay. Then Veronica comes. Is this? We're running out of seeds here, Pete. So yeah. very curious. What this is so, it? Is this it? So this is what this is what happens. So uh, <laughs> I hope she doesn't come in. So the uh, he's scrubbing up the thing, and she yep. comes around the corner. It's the cliffhanger. We don't know if she's getting divorced or not. It seems like it, but we got that commercial break, and she's about to talk. And then 
my girlfriend comes in and she's like, listen, I need it. And I was like, I will murder you if you don't leave me alone right now. I'm in the middle of something. It oh was my like, God. I, I, was, I was so worried I was going to miss what Veronica was going to say that I uh, apologized to my girlfriend for losing it on her. But I was For uh, threatening worried. to murder her over a TV show? I will show. murder you. Man, this is really tying up that conversation we had at the beginning of the podcast. Yes, about that's appropriate what I... emotional responses and where to channel them. So there you go. That's right. That's good. But to be fair, Pete, I I have a feeling you say that a lot. Like, don't. But the, I just put milk on my Cheerios. I will murder you if you don't let me eat them. <laughs> I need help. Yeah. Well, that's what this podcast is for, Pete. Turns kind out, of, maybe it's like... worse. Unclear. So, our, <laughs> yeah, both. we get this moment. Uh, Virgie is back together and going strong. I will say, I think we're going to see a very different Varchi going forward because the way that Veronica approaches this, she's very much she wolf of Wall Street. Take what I want, get what I want, and I don't think that's what Archie is expecting exactly. Yeah, uh, come on, guys, that kiss. Come on, though, yeah, that kiss it was a good kiss. That was a phenomenal kiss. See, I think the reason that Varchi works better um, than Barchi, at least according to the people involved, um, is that Veronica sort of absorbs all of Archie and, like, sort of manages him. Uh, while Betty's sort of like, she likes to sit back and let Archie be Archie. And I'm curious now um, how that the new Varchi will be when it feels like Veronica's even more so managing her life almost like the CEO of what she's doing. So it is an interesting uh, relationship. I love Archie just polishing up his pretend fire truck when <laughs> Veronica comes in to uh, have the picture-perfect kiss in the fire department. And the last little bit here that we mentioned earlier is Betty gets a call on the phone. It's Polly. She's on the lonely highway, says they're coming, they're coming. They get to the payphone where she All right, wait, 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 yes. wait. Okay, if somebody calls you, and says they're coming for me. You don't say, "Well, stand right there." Okay, you find you you tell them where uh, somewhere else to go. And also, Betty was driving so slow, looking for. I was. You uh, got to obey the on. speed limit, Pete. You're no, gonna get man, pulled over. Polly's gonna live or There's die. There's only one cop in town. I don't time. think he has a car. <laughs> yeah, I think you're fine. Speed. Yeah. You can. The speed, speed limit is five hill. miles per hour, so that Tom can keep up. Yeah. Oh he just uh, walks casually, steps up, and says, "Hey, what are you doing here? No one comes here. This isn't even a town anymore." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll find out what happens with Polly going forward. That is the episode. We are running pretty long here, but I do want to get to at least a couple of fan questions before we wrap up. First of all, I wanted to mention uh, we had a we mentioned this on the previous podcast, maybe two weeks ago, that we had a fan named Kristen who was pregnant and very stressed out about the whole bughead situation. She wrote again, great news. She had her son. Her uh, son's name is Jackson Joseph. I assume named uh, after Eric Jackson. From yeah. The show. Nice. Uh, she also let us know that Jackson Joseph has already seen two episodes of Riverdale, including one in the uh, hospital. Uh, so that's great. He's already a fan. And she also dressed him in a whale onesie because she specifically wanted to let Pete know, well, 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 looks like Bucket's <laughs> getting back together. Wow. Nice. I, I mean, the idea of raising a kid on pure Riverdale, this kid's going to be like, going to really understand fast-paced drama. 
Yes. Oh, man. Absolutely. So let's get into some other questions and theories here. I'll get through a couple of them quickly. Uh, at to love this says, do you think Riverdale finally closing the book on Barchi and saying what majority of fan base has said for years is a sign that they're finally going to start using other drama tools for Varchi and Bughead? We've kind Interesting. of touched on this a little bit. We did. Interesting, very um, one-sided way of saying what, you, what the question is there. Because I don't think they've closed the door on Barchi forever, um, despite my uh, Barchi uh, fan um, status. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a real middle ground for a while. I don't think it's not it's not going to just run right back to Varchi Bughead. I think we'll get a little bit of Varchi. I think there's going to be some wrenches thrown into that. I don't even think we're going to get Bughead for a while. We got Jug at the Poppin' and Betty's going to be in in a dark place waiting for Archie to be the window or whatever. Uh, I do want to mention while you were answering that question, Pete tweeted at somebody. <laughs> Pete, he wasn't even paying attention. Why? It popped up on my phone. No. It was a notification. I, he was responding. I, I saying, didn't even. I didn't even hear what the question was. I like that you have a Google alert on anytime Pete tweets because you're like, oh no, what did he say? What well, did he I say? love also the fact that it was a tweet for the Riverdale After Dark account about Barchi. Somebody said someone call Real Page, and he said, "So crazy, too emotional. Why, Kev?" Did you read the first tweet? <laughs> nope. <laughs> he just needs a place to put his emotions because he's all out of Anybody's do, like, I "Hey, do. Pete, how are you doing?" He's like, "I don't know what's going on with Kevin. We got to talk about this." <laughs> Pete's all out of jars, and he needs something else to scream into. And unfortunately, it's Twitter. At Barchi's mom says, "Do we think TBK is Glenn?" And describe each ship on the show with a word that you think sums them up. Love listening to your podcast. Whoa. By the way, it's hilarious. Whew. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's nice. Thank you very much. Do we think? Wait, wait. The Burger Glenn. King is Glenn. What? What, Pete? Who the fuck is Glenn? Glenn's the FBI um, sort of <laughs> oh, the, agent. Oh, he's taking yeah, care yeah, of yeah, Toffee. Yeah. I'll relate yeah, that yeah, back yeah, to a yeah. cat. You understand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yes. Okay, yep. Wow, that would uh, be crazy. I mean, let's throw it out there. TBK. I mean, obviously, we're going to learn more about. It's we Nana will Rose, right? Yeah, we there well to your point, Pete, there's not a lot of suspects. The only people yeah. it's I don't think it's gonna be uh, anyone in town. Chip. Any of our the the gang. Um who does that leave? Chadwick? <laughs> Glenn. <laughs> I I mean I'll throw out one theory that was dropped in our Patreon Slack today. What if Whoa. it's Jughead? And that's why he's blacking out, he's turning into TBK. No. That'd be pretty wow. wild. That's a dark dark path yeah I, I don't think the tbk is anything i think he's like he's gonna come in as a rogue element either at the end of, of the trash. season or towards the, yeah just a sentient pile of trash he's gonna come in towards the end of the season he's just a serial killer i don't think it's anybody behind the mask necessarily and describe each ship with the one word that is so hard to do right now because they're in such flux i guess we could do shoni over barchi over uh kang's over um varchi what this Fox. is cold as ice. No, I know. I'm yeah. being a jerk. That's uh, cruel. It's more like this, Alex. It's Shoney chaos. Kang's chaos. Barchi <laughs> chaos. <laughs> yeah. Normally, I'd be open to doing this right now. It's kind of tough to do. Duck yeah. of the Valley says, what do you think about Kang's and what will happen with the baby? I don't. I'm just so emotionally Man. wrecked over it. I can't believe Kevin just set his whole life on fire. I think they're going to get back together. I think they're going to get back together soon. Um, Did and you I think... see the way Fangs was like, if you want to like have dudes on the side, I'm okay with that. Like he is so willing to put himself out there for this relationship. And Kevin's just 
fucking not into it, man. But that's what I'm saying. Kevin's got to get right, and I think maybe if we're if we're under the impression that Kang's is real, Kang's is Endgame, and I think it that's, is. That's where I think we're at. Uh, are we? Yeah. Are yeah. really? You don't think so? No. Uh, really? I think they will maybe get back together, but I don't know if they're Endgame. Oh my! Wow, God. Alex. Who are you? They Who a, are you? They got a baby coming. Their baby yeah. game. Their baby know. game. Baby game. That baby can be raised on Riverdale. Oh, no. <laughs> you can't raise a baby on Riverdale in Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, that's too I, much. Honestly, if, when Jughead was like, I was on Jingle Jangle and Harder Stuff, I think the harder stuff is Riverdale. It's Riverdale. Oh, <laughs> Probably. The hardest out. Nice job, Justin. <laughs> Do this is from Reinhardt Streams. Do you think by the next two episodes we will find out what was said in the voicemail Jughead left Betty? I think Ooh. that's probably at least part of his trauma, right? Yes, I think. Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah. That's from Trauma Night. Whatever it was mm-hmm. that happened then. I think. Yeah, I don't think uh, there's been a lot of people talking about is the trauma caused by Betty. I don't think they'll go that route, but I do think to your point, he reached out to Betty, and when she wasn't there to help him. It went worse. Yeah, he. Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent. Exactly. Right. Uh, this is a question. I specifically highlighted this one for Pete because it's a lot of oh, going to be a lot of emotions for him, and I'm curious to hear oh, what he says. God. This is from uh, Lux Lewis. I feel like Barchi is going to be like the show's Lucifer's Decker star. That we will wait more towards the end to finally make them the long-awaited endgame. But I hope with Barchi, it won't take as long. They're just too good when they're together. So soft and erotic. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. First but, off, my yeah, I don't know account. what's going on with the Lucifer thing. That's why I wanted to throw it over to you. Yeah, okay. So the thing about the Lucifer relationship is the classic will they, won't they. One of them wants, the other one doesn't, and it goes back and forth. And they don't ever really get together except for a moment at the end of the season. And it's so painstaking and takes forever for to get them there. And then they get thrown apart again. Uh, so I really hope this show doesn't turn into something like that because it's too much of an emotional toll on you to kind of keep reliving. But you do think Barchi will be like that? I don't want because, that to happen Because at all. they're so soft and erotic. Yeah, I, well you, right, Pete? You keep saying soft and erotic, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't. But, you know, I don't want to, you know, if that person on Twitter is into that kind of thing, like, hey, God bless. You know what I mean? Hey, God bless. God bless. Hey, God bless. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's all the questions we have time for. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. We got tons of them. We couldn't get through all of them, but we really appreciate all of you uh, wherever you are following us. If you want to, oh, we should do MVP for the episode first. I keep right. forgetting Wait. that after these questions. P, oh, I also just want to take a moment and just say that, like, wherever you are out there, I hope you're doing all right. This has been a crazy episode. And uh, I hope you have some jars to yell into or some people that can help you. Well, the other thing that I'd actually say on that is if you need to disengage from a TV show, do it. You know, you don't you have no obligation to continue. It feels good to walk away for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like, take a break. You don't have to post about it online. You don't have to engage in any way. You could even stop watching the show and catch up with it later on Netflix or whatever you want to do if if you're devoted to it that way. It's all right to take a break. It's all good. That's a hell of a thing to say after we just recorded an hour and 20 minutes of talking about <laughs> Yeah, that's by the way. We can't take a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to say, like, are you talking to us? Because I would that's love to I'm take a break. I'm trapped. <laughs> this is my wow. life. You have a Do as I say. Do as I say, not as I do over here. Uh, oh, my God. Who's the MVP of the episode, Pete? Oh, oh this is tough. 
Betty all day, every <laughs> day. Any extrapolation there? Nothing just... there. I'm back. You're back on the Betty train. Back, baby. I'm excited for the future. I'm hoping that mysteries will bring them together. I got hope. Her and the Kevin, TBK. Kevin is crushing my soul, and Cheryl is d- just lighting it on fire as she dances around it. What about you, Justin? Uh, tough, tough ep um, to choose. I'm going to give it up for uh, Reggie. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give it up for Reggie. Um, Reggie got to be, he was like sort of the weird villain for the, a few episodes. Little Ray of Sunshine last week. And now here he is, feeling more like old Reggie. Maybe he just needed the gang to be in town for him to be um, a better person. I'm going to give it up to Tony this episode. I thought everything yeah. that Vanessa Morgan has been doing the past couple of episodes is so good. Love the work there. But in this one in particular, like I mentioned, the cutaway shots in the white worm, so funny, the disgust on her face. But also just uh, taking it to Cheryl and being honest with her and being harsh with her. That is what Cheryl needs right now, even if she doesn't know it. And it hurts to watch Tony and Cheryl break apart in such a big way. But it's coming back. Hang in there. I'm confident about this one. I think it's going to happen like we've been talking about by the end of the season. And thank you all for listening. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Rate us and leave a comment on iTunes in particular. Those help us out quite a bit. Socially, you can follow us at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Barbara. Barbara. <laughs>